and welcome. Shut up. <laughs> hey, and welcome. Hey. <laughs> All together now. You know what? I figure around episode 100, I'll have that down. So I've got still got 74 well. episodes to, to hone my craft. Welcome to AT Banter, the podcast where we discuss anything and everything regarding the world of assistive technology. With our hosts, Steve Barkley, Rob Minot, and Ryan Fleury. Now, let's banter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter. I am Rob Minot, and as usual, being joined by Ryan Fleury. Hello. And Steve Barkley. Howdy-do. So, long weekend. It was. It, it was indeed. How uh, how was it? Do you do anything fun? Uh, it was a lot of time spent with neighbors for me. A lot of potlucks? Yeah, hung, hung out with neighbors two nights and uh, went to the BC Lions game one night. Did they win? They did. They squeaked out a win, 32-31. Uh, against two. Winnipeg. Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, yep, so they're on to the uh, Western Finals, and if they win that, they're on to the Grey Cup. Oh, really? Yeah. But they won't win that. They're playing Calgary. Yeah, there's a six-pack uh, <laughs> betting on that one there. <laughs> That's right. right. Yep. Now, the Grey Cup, is that, they always have that in a different city. That's football. What? Okay, are we talking about football? Yeah, we are talking about football. Just making sure you're aware it's uh, football. Yeah, very funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although you did have me thinking for a second. Wake up tennis football, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, so so even if we get into the, the Grey Cup, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be in the city, right? No, it's in, in Toronto. Toronto. Oh, it's always... Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be in Toronto this year. They, they pick the city before the season even starts. Oh, that's no fair. So there's, so there's no chance of a riot. Well, there's always a chance. Yeah, there's there's a chance. All right. You know, the way the Canucks are playing, there's always a chance. Do you really think we if do you really think that if the Canucks got to the Stanley Cup and I had to think about that for a second because I always call it the Great <laughs> Cup. Um do you really think we'd ride again? You think that there's any chance that they'd possibly This year there's a good chance. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you know, you, you can never you can never tell what a crowd's going to do, but um, I, I think they would do things differently this time. I don't mm. think they would allow a whole bunch of people into a public square like they did yeah. the last time. Right. Um, you know, it was really a recipe f- for a riot, and, and I think they would probably pay a lot better attention to security because mm. before that riot even happened, there were people who were planning that riot and were yeah. publicly talking about how they were planning on rioting as they were taking, you know, transit and SkyTrain down into the downtown core. So, I mean, they should have, as soon as they started hearing murmurings of that, they should have shut it down. Yeah, I think they were still riding the goodwill from the Olympics yeah. is, is really what the recipe for that riot was. They just were way too optimistic about it. Anyways. Um, well, the Olympics were good, though. They were. They were a party. They mm-hmm. were fun. Who's on the show today? Today, we are talking to Bin Liu, uh, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO of a company called Immersive, who has developed a ultrasonic uh, navigation aid for blind and visually impaired people. Cool. 
And he's joining us through Skype from Toronto today. Yep. Excellent. Well, Good why don't we call him up? Uh, all right. Well, today we are happy to welcome Ben Liu, who is the co-founder and CEO of Immersive, which is a Toronto-based startup that has developed a wearable ultrasonic device called the BuzzClip that can be used by the visually impaired as a navigation tool. Uh, hey, Ben, thanks for uh, coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Now, did I say that right? Is It's immersive, right? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's correct. I know. I kept I was doing the research this immersive. morning. And I kept wanting to say immersive. <laughs> uh, well, let's start out. Just uh, give us a little uh, bit of an idea of what your background is. Um, so I studied at the University of Toronto. Uh, I did a civil engineering degree there with a uh, business minor. Um, the I guess the whole story of how I came to this business was uh, in my last year. Uh, sort of, um, you know, that that's the deciding point where I'm trying to figure out uh, where I'm going forward with my career, with my life, and things like that. And uh, one night I had a call with my parents, and uh, it was um, it was one of those complaint calls from my mom. <laughs> Uh, basically telling me, you know, like, can you please speak to your dad? Uh, he should really stop driving at night because uh, my dad has glaucoma and uh, he still has, you know, fair vision during the day. But uh, it's it's dangerous for himself and society in general if he does drive at night nowadays. So that kind of got me thinking, right? Um, you know, I'm a pretty young guy and uh, I have an engineering degree. There's more stuff I can do than just to go work for a corporation. And uh, that's when I started doing some digging and I did, you know, the first thing that came to mind was ultrasound for me personally, because I've always been fascinated by bats and the way to navigate. And I did look it up and I found some older devices. I'm, I'm sure you guys heard of some of them, um, things like Ultra King and, the, and the, even the Laser King back in 2004, uh, devices like that. But right. one, I was shocked at the price point and number two, I was just wondering why it's not being more widely adopted, right? So I then moved on to apply to a uh, incubator at the University of Toronto uh, called Impact Center. Kind of uh, almost stereotypically walked in with a napkin with some drawings on it. And uh, somehow those guys were intrigued and they did induct me. And that's when I called my partner Arjun. Uh, he was on holiday at the time. I called him and I brought up this idea because uh, I'm not too strong on the business side. So I figured it'd be great to bring someone on board to help me with that. And uh, he was instantly on board because uh, I didn't even know, but his parents uh, and himself, uh, they've been supporting a blind orphanage in New Delhi, India for the longest time. So it uh, resonated with him instantly. And now kind of two years later, here we are, right? Excellent. Yeah, that's right. There was a, we carried a um, hand guide. The hand guide. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I don't know if it, I don't know about the laser cane, but it's, uh, it's probably hand, a similar. Yeah, hand guide, uh, I believe, was infrared, mm. if I recall. Oh, okay. It was so it was an ultrasonic. Right. No. And the big problem with infrared versus ultrasonic is uh, it's no good for glass. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they get a lot of interference, right? If you're in really bright sunlight. Right. Yes. Yeah. So if you, you could be tootling along, you know, perfectly confident and then all of a sudden wham or into something glass, which would really kind of suck. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we like the movies where they, where you have those two guys moving the huge pane of glass and exactly. just walk right through it. Exactly. Yeah. Years and years ago, uh, there was a device out of New Zealand. I don't remember the name of it now. Um, but, but I think I, you're talking about the Mohawk. Uh, sensor or something like that. Some somewhere along the line, I forgot the exact the, pronunciation. The Moet sensor, it? Uh, or the Mohawk. It's like a handheld torch. A similar. It's like a 
almost like a ancient version of the mini guide. Uh, no, this this was um, this is even older than that. Uh, oh, okay. It was when I first started with Aroga, so it was like 25 years ago, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a fellow in Victoria who had one. I don't remember the name of it, though. I mm -hmm. had to repair it for him a few times. But, but what was it like? What? It was ultrasonic. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah it was ultrasonic. It, wasn't, it, it, it was fairly bulky. But uh, well, twenty-five years ago, yeah, I can yeah. imagine. You probably had, yeah. probably needed a car to carry it. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that big. It was portable, but uh, but certainly not as portable as the uh, immersive uh, device. Well, and let's talk about that. It's a brand new device. I think it's just recently launched, hasn't it been? Uh yep. Yeah, um, it's actually you guys caught me at the perfect time because uh, I've just as of last Friday uh, shipped out uh, to all of our pre-orders. So uh, that that because because uh, my partner's in uh, India right now, he took some donation units with him. Uh, that that came through our uh, crowdfunding campaign as well, and he's trying to work out some um, some way to work with the Indian government to make it more accessible to uh, you know uh, individuals on that end because affordability is even lower in in that region, right? So I've just been setting up a one man sweatshop and packing away for the last <laughs> two and a half weeks, and I've just about finished right now. Wow, so you're you're building them in Toronto by hand? Uh, no, not built. So we are working with a uh, a Markham-based uh, manufacturer. Mm -hmm. So they make the units, but uh, I have been packing them. So I'm personally testing them, charging them the first time just to make sure everything works, and then packing in the boxes, and then packing to shipping boxes and uh, arranging the shipments. Gotcha. So you've gone from engineer to shipper. Got to love small business, huh? <laughs> so how long from from the moment that you you know you drew the schematics on a napkin to yep. last Friday? What what? How long was the development period? Uh, it's, uh, I'd say two years to be exact. From because uh, we pretty much finished everything in August this year, and it took a bit longer to get everything. Uh, finished and uh, wrapped up so yeah almost exactly two years and uh like um it wasn't it wasn't the same device when we first started uh, we had some crazy stuff out like my my engineering like i call it professional sickness uh <laughs> side of me made me design something that that's you know kind of out out of a sci-fi movie and then we had to simplify down things a lot with uh, cost considerations and also just the amount of time it will take to make it. And then we're, we still have that in our archive. We'll be starting to slowly add features into uh, future generations of the bus lift to actually build it towards that. Really? So, so what was it like initially? So initially, if you imagine, I, I was thinking something. So right now it's one sensor, a small device, right? Uh, I was thinking something that's, uh, you know, like an integrated wearable in the sense that, like, you know, for example, like this is one concept, uh, you literally put on a shirt and then you get 360 degrees coverage in all directions. And that sort of paints a picture of where things are and what shapes things are. But that, after I finally calmed down and sat down, like I realized that would have taken me about five to 10 years <laughs> to get something <laughs> that accurate. Still, it's a pretty cool idea mm -hmm. to be able to have, so, you know, throw on yeah, a jacket like, or something. We, yeah, we're not stopping... Like we're not, uh, we haven't canceled that, to be honest. Like that, so we're hoping as we progress, like you know, we slowly build towards that, right? Step one step at a time. I think that's that's a lot better, and also uh, a lot more consideration into it is just you know, 
a lot of the community are not used to like we're used to new tech on the sort of uh, computer end so like screen readers all these type of things that like most people have access to most people have been using it for a long time but uh, on the mobility side there hasn't been that much you know excitement or innovation happening right so it's much easier to introduce a simpler piece of technology and also slowly sort of build that confidence towards that end then it's it's easier to for us to then add features rather than giving someone something with a you know a thousand page manual on just how to start it right at, right at, right off the bat right and so how big is the buzz clip um the way i like to compare it is uh, if you stack two lighters on top of each other it's a bit smaller than that maybe a bit wider yeah well ryan just quit smoking today <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, that made it so, so yeah. So. <laughs> I don't have lighter anymore. <laughs> what made you? What made you choose ultrasonic versus some of the other technologies that are out there? Um, first of all, like um, that's like one one side of it. I did do a full analysis on uh, different type of uh, sensors that we could have potentially used, right? Um, so a few things in consideration. Uh, number one, like uh, what are the odds of having it getting uh, a false positive? So in a sense, you know, like um, when we talk about laser, it wouldn't pick up uh, transparent surfaces and uh, it's affected by outside environment a lot more. Uh, that's one thing. So reliability. And then number two, power consumption. So uh, light-based sensors are actually the best, but uh, it's, it's very limiting. Um, in the sense of uh, unless you do use laser, there are other optical sensors that you can use, but uh, the, the power requirement is ridiculous if you try to push that to have a range longer than half a meter. And then obviously they would have LiDAR as well, right? But that one, it's kind of immediately scrapped just because it's it's very dangerous to have someone, some ridiculous amount of voltages to, to actually work this thing. And it does have the potential to overheat and, and actually hurt someone. So all, thing, all things considered, like safety, reliability, and uh, also, you know, power consumption side of things, like power consumption mostly on the miniaturization side, because the battery is just proportional to how much power you're going to pull out of the device, right? So all three of those things considered ultrasound was the most reliable. And uh, it, <clears throat> we do have, um, there has been a lot of work on this end, because uh, a lot of cars are already using ultrasound uh, for, you know, um, uh, detecting things in the back for reversing and uh, even a lot of uh, the current um, automated cars, right? Self-driving cars, right. ultrasound is incorporated heavily into that as well. So it's a, it's a more mature technology for us to work with. And how long does the battery last in the buzz clip currently? Uh, so right now, um, you know, we, we do stress testing on it. Uh, that lasts about 10 hours. But, uh, you know, technically, if you, if you use it uh, very... I guess if you if you put it through regular use, in which case uh, most of our testers, you know, they have it on on average for three four hours a day, even if they're traveling out. Because once you sit down in the room or once you go to a fixed location, you just turn it off, right? So if it's standard use like that, two days, two and a half, three days, uh, easily no problem. And um, you know, but we do recommend just out of habit, use it for full day, come home, charge it, and then you never worry about the battery. I, I remember. The uh, the device I was talking about before the the really old one, um, one of the downsides to it is that it didn't function really well in the rain because the, uh, the it affected the ultrasound. How how's yours in the rain? Uh, so light rain, uh, no problem. Um, the I mean, our device is uh, water resistant as well. Uh, the only time rain would affect it is if 
say a raindrop hits the uh, the sensor directly, um, what happens is the water drop actually coats the, the the opening of the sensor, and that sort of blocks the sound signal. But uh, it's very easy to fix because you just like shake it or blow into it, and typically it will, it will work just fine. But heavy rain, it's something that uh, you know we just can't really do that well in just because um, we can't use full waterproof sensors because um, those ones have much weaker signal. So it's a trade-off. If we use those ones, it would have functioned in heavy rain. But if we use those ones, it wouldn't be able to pick up smaller items like tree branches because it's not just it's just not as sensitive. Right. And what is the range of the buzz clip? Um, the range of the sensor is actually pretty long, but we, we limited it to uh, two range modes. So the longest range option we have, which is the default when you switch it on is two meters. And uh, then you have a one meter option just for, that one is just for proximity warning. The two meter range is more for actually gauging distance because uh, um, we feel that indoors when things are more crammed up, if you use two, if, if you use one meter, it's like, you know, it's arm's length, right? So as soon as you get something and, and you get an extra warning at half a meter where it just goes crazy. So you have that extra, uh, half a second to a second reaction time to to actually reach out your hand. You know, either put the getting the brace position or just just simply reach out and, and see what's in front of you, or just turn and find a spot where the doesn't vibrate. And uh, we limited the max range to two meters because we wanted to go a different route. So a lot of uh, ultrasound devices before they uh, I think they have you know three meters, five meters, or some of them even longer distance. But the issue is. Um, sound travels in a, in a sort of conical water drop shape, expanding outwards from the sensor, right? So the longer you go, the wider the range actually gets. And uh, we feel there's no point for you to know something that's gonna be, you know, two meters to your left or two meters to your right, rather just whatever is directly in front of you. So, you know, anything that the device tells you is there, it, you need to know about it, right? So how, how wide an area does it cover? So at the two meter range, it's just wider than your shoulder width, and at the at the meter range, it's uh, roughly your shoulder width. And uh, they you know vertically, it's about the same. So at the one meter range, it's roughly from your uh, just above your belly button to just above your head, and at two meters, it's just below your belly button to um, you know even more above your head, if you have it clipped on on your collar. So it's it's small enough, really. It can be clipped anywhere, but does that really where the main the main focus is is would you be having it clipped on your collar so that's uh that's our recommendation for uh for individuals that are already using canes or guide dogs because um based on you know all our testing and and you know even just uh uh the, the all the response from everything we've done up to this point uh, i think we want to make a very strong stance in the sense that this device right now it's not something you can use to replace your cane or guide dog. We feel that's still essential. We're not at a point where you can replace it. That's why we recommend the collar point because that's the one location where it essentially covers everything the cane or guide dog might, uh, you know, miss or not be able to protect. And at the same time, wouldn't interfere with your cane and guide dog's response because it covers different areas, right? But um, that's only for people that are using canes and guide dog or people that have partial vision, depending on the severity or uh, the type of condition they have where the blind spots are. That's where uh, what you mentioned, it's something that's gonna be more useful because for these guys, uh, that's just the extra warning system of wherever the blind spot is because you can clip it onto any opening of the building, right? And what sort of feedback is it giving to the, uh, to the user? So it's vibration. 
Um, so to, uh, I guess, to give you sort of a, an idea of how it works. So say I have the bus clip on, I'm walking towards a wall or tree or even a hanging tree branch, right? Uh, at the two meter range, you almost just feel like someone is just like lightly, just lightly tapping you. Like, so it's, you know, you get that feeling that, you know, something is there, but it's not close enough to be of any danger or, you know, any concern to me. But as you walk closer from that two meter to one meter range, it's, you can feel very, you know, very um, distinct changes in terms of both the, the, the strength of the vibration, the vibration will get stronger and the intervals between vibration get shorter. So you get that sense of urgency as you approach something. And then once you get past that one meter mark, the vibration is already fairly intense to let you know constantly there's something there. And once you reach half meter, that's when it does three very violent, very quick vibrations to say stop right there and put your hand out, right? Um, this might be a silly question, but how big was the development team? Uh, the hmm, That's a good question. It's... Um, it's not. It's very different from the traditional sense where we had a bunch of guys that worked on this from start to end. Uh, myself and Arjun, we've been on board full time since day one, and uh, we we're lucky to get a lot of support from University of Toronto. So throughout its life cycle, we've actually had uh, I think three batches of interns from uh, University of Toronto. So we had a batch of uh, four last uh, last year summer. Uh, that worked with us heavily on this, on the initial prototyping and stuff. And then we had another batch of four that worked with us uh, this summer that helped us uh, finalize and finish up. And then in between, we had a bunch of uh, interns that worked part-time with us. And uh, also we had we have a part-time uh, industrial designer that's been working with us from day one. And uh, we had a part-time um, engineering consultant because uh, myself, I have learned a lot and I've worked a lot on this, but uh, I did not uh, study civil electrical engineering by trade, right? So I needed someone to actually uh, guide me through this whole process. So that's that's roughly the team. Uh, we are sort of expanding towards next year because um, as things get more complex, we will definitely need more on the R&D side. But uh, that was the team that got the product to this point. And so what's next? Um, are, are you... Are, are you already working on sort of a 2.0 version of this or are, are you thinking about uh, developing something completely different? Um, so I'd say both. Uh, not that we're losing focus or anything, but I think uh, both are important. So developing something that are that's different, right? That's uh, purely from the fact that we've, we've received enough feedback to realize, you know, there's another huge problem that we definitely have to solve, uh, which is change of elevation under your feet. So, you know, if you enter uneven terrain or if there's a pothole or if there's stairways that's not too obvious coming up or like a steep curb, things like that. So that's something that comes up a lot. Every time we show this device to someone, they say, you know, can this help me with that too? Like uh, that's mostly people that don't use canes or guide dogs, like people with partial vision, but uh, they have um, mostly people with loss of peripheral vision, right? They, they have trouble with uh, things like that. So that's one huge problem we're trying to tackle. And at the same time, like we're, we're going to continue moving forward with the bus clip. So um, uh, a few things. So like um, we are already making improvements because uh, this is the first batch of manufacturing. So a lot of problems we didn't realize with the manufacturing process, it's already coming out. 
So we will be fixing those and we will be making minor tweaks to the bus clip as we pump out next batches of production and stuff like that. Nothing major. Right. And then we are working on 2.0 as well. So that's, I'll have to leave as a slight surprise <laughs> for now. Sure. But uh, I think that's that's something to be expected maybe in a year and a half's time. And, uh, you know, um, we are pretty excited about that too because uh, that's sort of, right now it's just a, a tool, right? A very straightforward tool that uh, the users can use depending on their needs and their habits. But we want to start adding more dynamic to it. So uh, I can just say, you know, we're going to be adding some connectivity to the bus lip, and there'll be a lot of fun things that uh, can happen with that. Tell us about the um, your your experience with crowdsourcing and uh, and how how you did that and what how you found that process. Um, it was very, I guess, very unique experience for me. Um, that was probably one of the most stressful times in my life, to be honest, because uh, we set a deadline, right? And uh, we had that deadline to hit that goal. Otherwise, um, it would have been, uh, I wouldn't say disastrous, but that would have just been very disheartening for us at that point, because that's, um, in a way, validating what's going to happen uh, next once our product is ready, right? Right. And at the same time, it was, it was one of the most wonderful experiences I've had as well, because um, one of the biggest uh, issues we faced uh, coming into this company, like we knew that from day one, and uh, that went all the way through to the end of first year, is how do we market to our target audience, right? Um, they, you know, like a lot of channels, a lot of media, traditional marketing or, or media channels, it's uh, it's hard to reach a lot of our end users, right? And we're just trying to figure out how that happens. And through this crowdfunding experience, we managed to sort of get in contact. We went to you know so many conferences, uh, met so many new people, got the contacts, and then did the the different uh, podcasts, radio shows, webinars. And after all that is done, and we finally had a minute to breathe, then all of a sudden we're realizing we're getting orders from all the way across in Japan, even, and that just shows how tightly knit the community is, like globally even. And it's it's just insane how word of mouth can travel, like right. uh, if something you know interesting comes up, right? Yeah, and that's how I found out about uh, immersive and, and the buzz clip. Is one of our listeners actually suggested I get you guys on to talk about the product? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's that for me. It's you know it's 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 really amazing because uh, I haven't. Because I, you know, we work in incubator, right? So we we've seen other startups in other industries, and this is like a phenomenon that's unheard of, to be honest. Because everyone is spending so much money on marketing, putting out like you know uh, ads, putting out uh, different videos and stuff like that. But for us, it's just if you engage the community, then the community will listen, kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's always been our experience as well. Yeah, it's it's virtually impossible to find any traditional advertising channel that you can direct mm-hmm. to the blind community it's 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 just not there it doesn't exist but yeah. but social media um is extremely powerful absolutely so, i don't know what are some of the biggest challenges that you guys ran up against while you know while you were in the development cycle um i guess few things i guess uh i mean we we did go through you know uh, so many iterations i got say seven eight big iterations and uh uh you know um tens of uh, of small iterations in between um 
some of the issues, I guess the first issue we came into was with the sensor, because ultrasound turns out uh, wasn't as easy to manipulate as we thought. <laughs> and uh, our whole idea of uh, having a narrow range and stuff like that, um, it took me, took me how long? I'd say probably a good few hundred hours to actually wow. go through hundreds of manufacturers to find the only one uh, in the world that I know of that makes ultrasonic sensor that uh, does exactly the thing we wanted to in terms of both the uh, sensitivity and also the, the angle and range. Um, that's the first thing. And the second thing was uh, the vibration wasn't strong enough. So, you know, any sort of, we, we use the, the pager motor that uh, most phones use. Um, the standard ones on the industry, um, it just wasn't strong enough to feel, feel it because um, especially if you clip it at a collar, right? Um, your chest is it's not as sensitive as most parts of your body, like the nerve cells much more spread out. Right. And uh, we had to change our design heavily, hence we have a, a small arm at the back that you can open up to isolate the vibration. And also we had to source a, a very special model of a vibration motor to generate enough force to actually make that uh, you know distinctive. So that's two of the biggest struggles we had um, at the start. And then, then you know, came, came the whole issue of uh, how do we keep the cost down? Because the goal at the start was we have to be cheaper than anything that's come out before. And uh, we have to make this as affordable as we can, right? And uh, the cost was a huge issue because um, especially for the first batch, we every single uh, enclosure for our unit is machined aluminum. So... <laughs> If you if you speak to anyone here in Canada about that, you know, if you ask them, I'm, I want to uh, machine six parts in aluminum, uh, you will be getting quotes in, in, in thousands of dollars. Wow. <laughs> and so so to to actually drive down the cost to to the point where it's at right now, that that's that was a massive headache, and also um, the manufacturing side as well. Right, uh, it took us a while to find a manufacturer that worked well enough with us to actually get this thing out. And even with, even then it took us a lot longer than our initially, uh, than our initial intended delivery date. Right. So what is the retail price of a buzz clip? So the retail price right now is uh, 249 uh, Canadian dollars in Canada and uh, 249 us dollars in the States. And I think I saw on your website, you have bundles as well or multi multi packages you can get. Uh, yeah, um, I think it's, uh, we have package of three. So those, uh, we, we say are for more advanced users. So like, you know, like we we typically recommend, uh, you know, start off with one, get used to how the, uh, cause it depending on the individual and their habits too, like some people pick it up really fast and some people don't find it as useful or some people might take a while to get used to it. Right. Uh, once you get really used to it though, that's when you can have three, maybe one in the front and then maybe one below or, you know, or one on either side of your sleeves kind of thing, depending on what your preference is. But, uh, we do have some testers that have done that and, uh, it took a while, but, uh, once they get used to it, it's, it's quite interesting because, uh, you can start to almost figure out a, a semicircle around you. That's cool. You could use that for playing hockey, right? Yeah. <laughs> that might Wait, be useful. You, which, uh, sorry, uh, on, the, on, the, on that subject, uh, do, you, do you play with the, the Vancouver Eclipse? No, I went out and tried once. And I, I grew up with sight and played okay. hockey and lost my sight later in life mm -hmm. and tried 
playing hockey a couple of years ago with the blind hockey team here and hit the boards and that was it. So okay. <laughs> didn't yeah. go back. No, because I, I was just curious because, uh, you know, the, the, the national uh, blind hockey tournament uh, that they had uh, in Toronto mm-hmm. for the last two years or they had it longer, but the last two years I was the stats keeper. Oh, is that right? So, oh, yeah. so yeah, so that's so why when you mentioned I was like, wait a minute, I might know you. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't there. This weekend is actually the Western Canada blind hockey mm-hmm. um, yeah that's uh, that's a new well. thing it's it's pretty amazing they're mm-hmm. starting to start uh, you know even localized yeah yeah stuff well Ron, if it's any consolation i've sight i <laughs> i would hit the boards immediately anyways because i don't know how to Can't stop skate. yeah hitting, hitting boards is the only way i know how to stop too yeah that's <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're falling pad- over <laughs> i don't know why they don't put padding on those boards yeah for those people yeah. that well you're wearing the padding right so I'm a bad Canadian. I don't ski. <laughs> I don't skate. Yeah, I'm the same way. But you've oh. snowboarded. That's, I have, yeah. yeah. But that's not really snowboarding. That's more of a ritualized <laughs> ass bruising. That's like, yeah. that's like falling down a mountain with, 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 with a slippery with a, piece with, of board. Exactly. And you're paying to slide, to, to right. slide down the mountain right? exactly. or fall down the mountain. Yeah. Um, what's your dad think of it? My dad? Um, I'm going back with one for the first time. Uh this uh this december i haven't left toronto for the last two years because i've stayed for work uh for christmas uh every time so i haven't actually seen my dad for two years now more than two years now so this will be actually the first time i'm seeing him with a unit excellent we know what he's getting in his stocking (laughs) (laughs) uh and what kind of response have you had from from the users um, so far, so I've been doing uh, sort of um, customer service uh, this week. So like, like I said, right, depending on the individual, like um, uh, I'd say it's mostly positive because uh, for most users, um, like um, the response right now is, you know, it's saving me at least two to three accidents a day kind of thing. Well, even even while they're still trying to figure out how to interpret all the, the, the distance and all the warnings and all the battery indications properly, it still does enough to save them. Um, we do have some users that, uh, I guess, are having more trouble with it, but uh, that's, that's a very small percentage. And I'm trying to still figure out exactly uh, what the issue is here. But uh, most of our testers that we've done with, you know, it's um, it's maximum up to a month and then afterwards uh, it, it gets pretty pretty natural to use because i mean the whole intention was to make a passive device right right and i mean first generation devices are commonly you know are, are commonly like that you know you release mm-hmm. them and then you get you get feedback from your customer base and you use that to develop new features and stuff down the road for a second generation keep on tweaking yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's great that I'm hearing like even the, any sort of um, confusions or even any negative comments because uh, that's that's what we need to actually improve on what we have, right? How long did you uh, did you test it? How long did you prototype with it? Uh, prototype, I'd say the realistic prototype took uh, about a year and uh, a year and maybe three, four months. Because initially we did a, a while of uh, market research, and then after prototyping finished, it took a while to get it out of the the manufacturing, right? Um, but uh, the prototype was like constant all the way through. Because uh, every time we had anything, um, we'd go out and test it, and uh, we'd get the feedback, and then 
go back to the workshop and start making changes. So we've done testing both here in Canada and also uh, like a lot in India as well. Um, testing wise, I'd say, you know, ranging from few days to maybe a few weeks, depending on how long it takes for a problem to show up. So that's typically how we did our testing. With you guys having started shipping them out as of Friday, how are you feeling? I mean, it must, it must have been a long, feel like it's been a long two years. Um, I don't know, mixed feelings. I, I think it's going to take a little while to kick in because, uh, so I, I finished uh, shipping actually on uh, last Friday. So, um, so that's calmed down, but at the same time now, um, I am getting, you know, like, uh, 10, 20 emails a day, which mostly you have to call back and, uh, understand, um, what the, the concern is or anything like that. So I'm doing customer service right now, mostly, and uh, I'm learning from every single user that gets back and then. It's nice to wake up in the morning, though, to uh, I love this device emails. That's that's the best feeling right now. But I think I I'll probably feel I'll probably have a better understanding how I feel after I come back from holidays because I feel like I'm almost numb because I've just uh, not stepped away from work, like literally for the last 700 something days, like no break <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> how many units have you shipped to this point? Um, we've shipped out all backing units, so I'd say about uh, 400 units, because oh, wow. uh, some of it went with Argent 2 to India. So uh, we've actually started some pilot programs in India uh, with uh, the Blind Relief Association, and also, uh, I don't know the name, but uh, it's equivalent of the National Institute for the Blind in India. So we've had, uh, during our campaign, one of the things was uh, we had options available, which is quite amazing too, because we had people that have no connection or any involvement with the visually impaired community that comes in actually donated units um, to India for, uh, you know, for, for, for people that can't afford it. Right. So Arjun went there with those units and um, with the current pilot program, we're trying to figure out how we can work with the Indian government, like I mentioned before. And uh, if all goes well, we might have the Indian government sort of help out subsidize or fund units to be supplied to um, to kids in blind orphanages. It's a very different landscape on that end from what we used to here. Yeah, yeah, entirely different to uh, different kettle of fish. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, living with vision impairment uh, in in developing countries like India, it's uh, it's dangerous to a certain extent. Like a lot of people actually don't use canes. It's it's a, it's a very sad thing, but a lot of people don't use canes, even though it's extremely dangerous, very crowded streets, right? Because they actually get targeted um, on the streets for mugging and, and robbery and things like that. So this is why like um, with the bus clip, not that it's supposed to replace the cane, but rather than people walking around with no protection at all, this might be something discreet that uh, could potentially sort of make this problem a little bit better. So we're trying to see what we can do. You need to need to set it up so that you can do a big blast of ultrasound out the out the front of it, like build a sonic a, sonic punch. Or build a so taser into it or something. That's right. If you're getting mugged, <laughs> just use a weapon. <laughs> yeah. Big fist comes out. <laughs> Tony Stark the hell out of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Having sort of had your head down and and developing for this community this device for the past two years. What's kind of what's your dream device? Like, where do you think these things are going? Is it, you know, connectivity to to uh, mobile devices? Um, my dream is not to build a device. Uh, ultimately, my dream is to like you know, 
just uh, forgive me if I sound like a mad scientist right now, but uh, <laughs> you've asked the question. So, <laughs> so uh, like my dream is to ultimately build a, uh, a personal assistant for anyone with vision loss. So when I say personal assistant, it's in a sense that, you know, it's not just obstacle detection. It's not just uh, assistance with maybe reading or with uh, information. It's, it's actually like your personal butler. If you can tell it anything, you can ask questions, right? You can, it will help you navigate. It will help you tell you where, you know, where sidewalks are supposed to be. It tell you exactly where bus stops, subway stations, things like that are exactly. If you're in a grocery store, if you're standing in front of items, pick up items, it will tell you what these items are, what are the price, and don't buy it here, go next door, this is 30% discount kind of thing. So, and, and at the same time, it will tell you, okay, you know, shift a bit to the left, you're gonna hit a tree and things like that. So it should be something like, I, I mean, it's doable because we, we have we have self-driving cars. This is how I've been pitching it to people. We have self-driving cars. Why can't we make a self-driving person, right? Like at the same time, it's, it's all there. Just gotta make it smaller and we just gotta make it better. So that's my ultimate dream. And uh, that's not going to come out for at least five, ten years. Well, it's, but it's, it's, that's it's, what I'm working towards, kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you know we did a we did an episode a few months back about robotics and some of the yeah. the things that that they're working on for robotics, and certainly robotic guide dogs, robotic assistants for yeah. for blind people is definitely something that that people are working on. So it's not really all that pie in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. It's just getting it to a point where, you know, initial initial technology, like early adoption of technology in that sense, it's going to, it's, it might be hard to adopt because it's not quite there, right? Like there's a threshold. Once you crash th that threshold, it becomes something so useful and so wonderful, but below that, it's just always going to be, you know, feeling a bit short. So we'll, we'll see how long it takes to get there. But uh, I gave you seven uh, years. Yeah, like, <laughs> and then I'll donate. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not even thinking. I'm not even thinking the. Um, I'm not even thinking the external route in the sense of uh, robotic uh, guide dogs or like uh, drones is a possibility. But I, I am just thinking as you know, with the human as the central, as the center of it all. Like maybe you know, if we just add, like, I'm a strong believer that wearable technology with you know, Internet of Things and with maybe artificial intelligence incorporated, that should be more than sufficient to get any of these things done. And you don't need to walk around. Might be cool, though, to walk around with a robotic dog, to be honest. But uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Like, only one step at a time, right? Or an, or an Android. You know, I'll take a blonde about five foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I have a wife. Who's blonde? And about five foot seven. Yeah, you don't want to make her jealous. And, and, uh, and again, that's where the editing software comes. <laughs> nah, he'll keep that in. Yeah, I'm gonna keep that in just to spite him. <laughs> um, oh, I, well, we should mention um, if someone wants to buy a buzz clip, uh, where would they go to do that? Um, so two options at the moment. Um, we have our. Uh, website uh, we have ordering available on our website uh, it's we're still tweaking it because the PayPal is giving us some headaches in terms of uh, how we can adjust it for like shipping and stuff because um, okay and what's sorry what's the website what's your website uh, it's www.inercive.com uh, perfect so anybody who wants one of these things and they're they're retailing for about 249 you said uh, yep, that's correct. 
go check it out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. This was, this was a nice break from emails. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me, honestly. This, is, uh, this has been really fun. Thanks for coming on and congratulations. Thank you so much. Well, um, you guys have a wonderful day. Eh? Okay, Ben, yeah, you too, take, care. Well. take care. Well, that was really cool. That was. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was. what a great little device. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always interesting to hear the experience of, of startups. And I mean, you know, and Ben's a young guy. Young, enthusiastic, mm-hmm. entrepreneurial. Yeah, I was still trying. Yeah, I was still trying to just win at pool at his age. Let <laughs> <laughs> alone start up on a, a company and develop a, a new product. So I was just all about the chicks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, Rob, uh, Steve, what? Steve, <laughs> he's feeling left out. Steve, <laughs> what are we? Uh, what are we doing next week? Next week, we have Grant Hardy coming in to talk about AMI. Cool. The Accessible Media Channel. Uh, and who is he? He is one of the reporters for AMI. Hmm. Yeah, that's Steve's camp kids. From way back. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Bone Island days. So he's local? He is. Yep. Oh, is, yeah. he, is he coming in or are we Skyping? I, I think we're still trying to work that out. I so see. I'm not positive yet. How can people find us, Ryan? Online at www.atbanter.com. People can also contact us at infopodcast, gmail, at (laughs) amazon.google.ca.gov.nc. Wow. Wow. 25 episodes. You still haven't got that right. It's it's the podcast. The last couple weeks have been so smooth. You know what it is? It's because I emailed uh, Mick from from Oscar and Klaus today mm-hmm. and it's info at Oscar Klaus. And that's the first thing that popped into my head was the info part. And as soon as I said it, I knew I had gotten it wrong. So then at that it point, I just, just gave up. I just <laughs> gave up. And, uh, right. So how can people get in touch with us, Rob? Well, alternatively, or Steve, they could email us. They could. Yes. And what's the email address? Oh, let's ask Rob. ATBanterPodcast at gmail.com. He did it. He did do it. Wow. How about that? I'm the paragon of professional at level Yes, you are. After 17 takes, it's uh, almost it's natural. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more than that, they can also find us on Facebook, on Google. What do they call the Google one? Google Plus. Google Plus. Google, Google you, Plus. You forgot? I, I never use it. Nobody I, does. I never Nobody use does. It. I don't even know why we have Google Plus other than the fact that we just don't want to make Google angry at us. I, I, I saw a meme a while back that said, uh, you know, the different social media networks and, and who used them. And Facebook was like, you know, people who want to post pictures of cats. And uh, it said for Google Plus, it said Google employees. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right? I don't know. Maybe we should just take, maybe we just forget about Google Plus. We'll have this discussion off mic. Yeah. Alrighty. But uh, but Google, we love the rest of your products and especially your search engine. I got a Pixel. Yes, you do. And we need to do a banter bit on that. Do we? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Anyway, so where else can people find us? iTunes. Tune in radio. Stitcher. On the Zero Tech Zero app. That was the weirdest delivery of that I've ever. What about YouTube or Facebook? You can or throw those in. Twitter. Sure. You went for the most obscure ways that people could actually listen to us. Giving people choice. 
that will about do it for us this week. I have been Rob Minot. And I've been Ryan Fleury. And I'm Steve Barkley. And we will see you guys next week. Toodaloo. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Aroga Technologies. Visit Aroga Technologies online at www.aroga.com. That's A-R-O-G-A.com. Music provided by bensound.com.